Good morning. That's the story of the gospel moving from one life to another. And I know that we do that. We partner with people to advance the gospel. And if you've been invited here this morning because some, one of your friends has uh, joined us here, thank you for joining them here. And uh, we're honored to have you. We're in the process of uh, what we call the deep and wide expansion, an expansion to grow us deeper and wider in our understanding and our love for God, his word, and people. And uh, last week we looked at the concept that a deep and wide follower of Jesus Christ loves. And you know, in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, the promise of eternal life uh, with God is a game changer in our lives. That's what we're going to be talking about today. It totally changes how you view everything about your lives. Even in your worst moment, when you have the promise of eternal life, you have hope. And so it's something that, it's a promise that God wants us to live with that perspective of eternity throughout every day of our lives. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Paul says this, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary or transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. See, we have a hard time getting our minds around what is eternal. Our minds are kind of compressed on this subject rather than expanded. And what the purpose of the scriptures and the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives this morning are to really expand it, to show you the reality of what God means when he says eternity. Now, it's not that, not, it's not that we don't have a passion for life or that we don't have a desire for life. Uh, most of us really love life and are trying to live life. To, to its fullest, but we just don't have that passion and desire for the eternal life that Jesus talks about. We're fascinated by gadgets or the next prop to build up an image rather than reflecting the image of God through our lives. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Weight of Glory, which he based it off this passage, says this. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, We're fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy has been offered us. Like like an ignorant child who wants to go making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation by the sea. We're far too easily pleased. See, that's what we are. We're far too easily pleased when we set our lives on this life and ignore eternity. So that's going to be the focus of our time this morning. How do we live for eternity? When I think about eternity, we're reminded, because the scriptures give us two choices. They give us the choice to live in the here and now only, or the here and now for the forever and ever. Let's look at that first one, the here and now perspective of living your life. This basically says you check in at birth and you X out at death, that this is your life. 
There's nothing beyond this life. So the time in between you check in and you X out, you have to live to the fullest. And you got to cram everything that you can into that short amount of time because that's all you have. And then the scriptures give a picture of the forever and ever life. And this basically says you check into this earth when you're born and then you check into heaven when you pass. So you're an eternal being. We live forever. The spiritual side of you goes on living forever and ever. And, and really, life is just two check-ins. <laughs> it's, it's not the X out. Now, if I were to take these two and just compare them, because that's what Paul asked us to do in 2 Corinthians. He asked him to compare them. If I were to just zoom out and show you the, a picture of what God meant by the top line, we'd have to expand and expand and zoom out and zoom out and zoom out. And what would happen is the top line would go wider and wider and wider. And the bottom line would become smaller and smaller and smaller in comparison. It would become a dot. Folks, we need to widen our view of time. That's what scripture is saying. Widen your view of time. Because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we're going to live for what will become a little dot and not something that goes on forever and ever. God wants us to live for the top line. Not that bottom line. And, and so when we do this, when we widen our view of time, how do you do that? How do you widen your view of time? Well, Scripture gives us three things. First one we need to do is we need to count our days. And I got this from Psalm 39.4 where it says this, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. This is that whole concept of counting your days. We're called into literally counting your days. Let's continue because we're not just called to count our days. We're called to consider our lives in the realm of eternity. Psalm 39, 5 says, Behold, you have made my days as a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Certainly all mankind stands as a mere breath. And I know in September, it's really hard to see your breath outside. But in February, when you go outside, you can see your breath and it appears just for a while and then it's gone. Folks, in the realm of eternity, that's our lives here on earth. So therefore, consider. What do we have to consider? It's just a breath. However, when you're going through pain and when you're going through suffering, when that relationship you put all your dreams into, when that breaks up, when you lose someone or something that's of extreme value to you, this life seems like it's an eternity. Those days seem like it's an eternity. And they just eat at you, go, you pray for this life to, come on, get better. It seems like it's been happening to me for eternity. On the other hand, folks, when you go on a vacation from Monday to Monday, that time just flies. You get to the end of it and go, wow, where did that go? And you take pictures because you want to go back into that time, right? Because it just screams when life is great. See, that's the promise of eternity. We have a promise that life is going to be great, not just good. It's not going to be us hanging out with terry cloth robes and playing harps in heaven. That's not the vision the scriptures give us. We get the picture that we'll be with Christ forever and ever. And therefore, 
since we count our days and consider our lives, the scriptures call us to fix our eyes. Fix our eyes. And look out again, just bringing that back. 2 Corinthians 4.17. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Folks, I was created and you were created for an eternal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And now if you believe in the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ, you and I would be crazy to live just for this life. We really would. It would be like you giving up on the offer of $32,850 when $12 trillion has been offered to you. Anyone can make that decision. We can really move down intelligence, down to a low level on this one, folks. We would be crazy to just live for this life. Why? Why would we be crazy? Because, folks, people matter more when they last longer. People matter more when they're eternal. They do. We're not just a composition of cells pursuing our own little direction however we want to pursue it. We are people crafted in the image of God. And we're to reflect him. It also means that life's greatest losses and disappointments mean and have less of a fatal blow to our lives when it's only here and now. That's why Paul says, our light momentary afflictions. I hate French onion soup. Hate it. But if you said, Joe, eat French onion soup for a week and I'll give you groceries for the rest of your life, I'll eat French onion soup for seven days. And I'll eat, that's all I'll eat if I know that that promise is there. Folks, this helps us understand what the purpose of our lives are. If it's just here and now, a bad day becomes a whole lot worse. If it's eternity, everything takes perspective. Do you see how this is a game changer for all of us? Some of you have been diagnosed with cancer this year. If it's just all you've got and there's not the promise of eternity, life is really, really bad. But folks, I've seen people with cancer who've even been taken by cancer, who've died with the confidence of Christ and eternity who their worst day, and it wasn't easy. It's not easy, never is. But they had the perspective that they based their lives on the promises of Jesus and they lived differently with it. They did, and you can too. You can too. See, count your days, consider your life, fix your eyes. That's how you widen your view of time. We all need this, folks. Every time I fly on an airplane, I go for the window seat. I just like the window seat. It gives me some control of the person sitting next to me because I can lean up against the window and rest. And having traveled around the world, I've needed that. You know, just wish I had duct tape to just put my head against the window so it wouldn't slouch down. But think about this. Everything you do on that airplane is temporary, right? What if you sat down to someone sitting at the window and they brought curtains and they started hanging curtains next to that window and they bought a, bought a, a picture, a family picture, and they started nailing it into the fuselage of the plane because they wanted to set up home on an airplane. You would go, stewardess, steward, fix this person. There's something wrong with them. Every time we live just for today, Every time we want to make this world our final destination, that's what we're doing. When you compare them, 
We're just traveling together. This earth is not our true home. And therefore, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, he says, we live by faith, not by sight. He calls us away from the temporal things to the eternal things. Not only are we to widen our view of time, we're to deepen our investment in eternity. That's that picture. How do I live? Well, we deepen it. We live our lives more for the ever after than we do the here and now. How do I do that? Well, I steward what God has given me. However God has blessed me, I steward that. You know what? As I read the scriptures, I realize I own nothing in this world. God's given me everything I have. Even my next breath is a gift from God. And I realize that. And as we realize this, then we got to realize that he's called us to be steward of everything he's given us. And he's given us three key blessings. He's given us the gospel. Paul talks about that. Paul talks about the gospel in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. He says, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our, our hearts. Folks, that's really key. You've been entrusted with the gospel. It's the greatest news ever given to humanity. It's the gospel that you don't have to work for it, that you don't have to pay the price for your sin. It's already been done. Jesus came, he lived a perfect life you couldn't live and I couldn't live, and he died on a cross to pay a price you and I couldn't pay. That's the good news. Just as you've been entrusted with it, speak it. Give it. Let it pass on through your life to someone else. And then we've been given the two other things, two other blessings. The goodness of God, the character of who Christ is, and then the gifts of God. Different material as well as spiritual gifts that he's given us to advance the gospel. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 8. And he says, command those who are rich in this present age to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That's that whole picture. You and I have been given these gifts of God. We're to advance them. We're to reflect the character of Jesus Christ. Our lives look more like him than they do about us. And then anything that God has blessed you with. Some of us, he's blessed us with more intelligence, with more energy, with more finances. We should be generous with those things. And we should be ready to share because this is just a passing age. I realize every time we live beyond our means on a monthly basis, we're not ready to share. We make it difficult to follow this passage by behaviors that deepen our investment in the here and now and ignore the investment in the forever and ever. We're called to be people who steward God's blessings. But we're also called to make disciples of all nations. That, that uh, last words of Jesus became the first priority of the church when he said in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and 20, he said, go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. You know, a disciple is someone who believes in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and, and advances the character and the gospel of Jesus Christ through their lives. They're followers of Christ. You know, people matter to God. And because people matter to God, They matter to us. We are to make disciples of all nations. And so we go from this place to our community and from our community to the ends of the earth. Jesus said he would go and prepare a place for us. 
And if he went to prepare a place for us, that he would come and receive us to himself so that where he is, we would be also. That was his promise. He's going to prepare a place. And there he says to the church, go and make disciples. I'm going to prepare a place. Go and make disciples. He's basically saying, church, fill heaven. Fill heaven with right now over 6 billion people that are on this earth. God has the space to hold them. If we will get off our rockers and make disciples of all nations. Folks, we have to be a going church. Not just a coming church. Coming is easy. Going is difficult. And that's why the most important moments of our worship services are when you leave this place and go re-engage the world that God has called you to go and make disciple. God loves people. God loves people, not just in the United States, but around this world where 90, 95% of all the people in the world live outside of the United States of America. Folks, those are people God loves. We need to make disciples of all nations. And then finally, we need to, as we do that, we'll leave a godly legacy. A godly legacy of people living by faith, not by sight. Of people advancing the gospel, not their own little kingdom. Legacy is a key word, and we need to define it. Legacy is a spiritual heritage that's passed from one generation to the next. I know our culture says that legacy is just about finances. So make sure you got your will intact and your investments in order so that the kids don't fight over your possessions when you die. Some of you look at your 401 and it's a 201 and you're worried about this type of legacy. I have seen, literally, because I've pastored in a church that was very, very wealthy. And it wasn't here. (laughs) But it was very, very wealthy. I've seen millions and millions and millions of dollars ruin children when all the legacy was about money. Folks, you don't want to do that because I've seen, when, when God calls us into a legacy... It doesn't matter one moment how much money you have. It has to do with where your direction is in life. If you're just focused in the here and now, you will not leave a legacy beyond the here and now. But if you focus it on the forever and ever, you can leave that legacy. See, the writer of Hebrews said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes or looking to Jesus, the founder, author, and perfecter of our faith. See, this is something we're called to do. As we leave a legacy, we leave a legacy as we follow Christ. Mom or dad, single person, high schooler, college student, folks, when, who are you following because who you're following will determine the legacy you lead. If you're chasing the next dollar, that's the legacy you'll leave. If you're chasing after Christ, that will be the legacy you leave. We're called to leave a godly legacy. Yesterday, I got to see my youngest son, Nathan, uh, run in cross-country down in Emporia. And, it, and uh, every time they start a cross-country race, some of you have children in it, some of you are cross-country racers, they have a gator out front. And a gator is this four-wheeler vehicle, uh, all-terrain kind of vehicle that always charts the course. And I always, every time my kids ran, I would always go, I hope you catch the gator today. Now, no one has ever caught the gator. 
okay? Because it goes faster than these kids can run when they're running the 5K. And, but I always put it out there because it's always the guy who always or the girl who always gets first is right behind the gator when they finish. That's the picture of our race with Christ is we chase him. We'll never catch him because none of us can be like him. But when we're close to him, we finish well. And when you're close to Christ, you finish well. That's the picture. I remember several years ago, some girls got off track at cross country and they went about 200 extra yards than they were supposed to run and they immediately got disqualified. Folks, don't get distracted. Remember the race that has been charted out for us by Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We want to be people who leave a godly legacy. I want to be a man who leaves a godly legacy with not just my wife and my children and my church, but everyone I come into contact with. The vision of FBC has been to, to be a part of a major spiritual awakening in Topeka. And that's why we're praying and we're inviting other churches to join us in in trying to reach 10% of Shawnee County to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to have to leave a godly legacy with people. We're going to have to share the gospel so that this happens. It can't happen with just FBC, but it could happen if other brothers and sisters in Christ in in Shawnee County had their eyes focused on leaving a godly legacy Because our elders believe, not just me, our elders believe that we are the generation to do this. A generation that that has an expanded view or widened their view of time and deepened their investment in eternity. And you know, that's the whole picture of how to live for eternity. When we're a church who does this, God is going to continue to entrust people to us and we're going to leave a legacy that far exceeds the things of this earth. Because the things of this earth, just to be honest with you and everything I read on the scriptures, if I could summarize it, there's going to eternal conversion that's going to take place after we X out or in just a few years after that. Everything physical, temporal, and material will either burn up, rust out, evaporate, or be eaten. (laughs) including us. So what in your life is going to last for eternity? Your soul will be eternal. The life now has to be invested for it. We're that generation, folks. Let's not live for, our, for ourselves. Let's just not live for the here and now. Let's live for eternity. And when we live for Christ and eternity, our greatest gain will be him and the people he loves and the people he's died for. Let us be the generation that courageously and selflessly passes the baton to the next generation who will rise up and call us blessed and give glory to Jesus Christ because we were a part of it. As we close our time in the word, I want to invite you to uh, listen to a guy named Bill Hess. And Bill is a founding elder here at Fellowship. Bill, would you join me up here? Bill Hess has always carried the torch for Christ and eternity. Together, we have read the Bible. We have read some books on heaven and eternity 
And I can honestly say that he's strategizing basically every part of his life for the eternal weight of glory that we've spoken about this morning. I've asked him to come and make a few comments about what the deep and wide expansion could mean in your life as we direct our lives for eternity. Bill. Um, appreciate you letting me uh, come. It's an honor to speak to you this morning. Um, I just wanted to just bring out a little scripture that kind of illustrates what Joe's been talking about. In John 1, uh, toward the end of the ch- first chapter, verses like 39 through 41, um, Andrew is a disciple of John the Baptist, and he's following John the Baptist. And Jesus walks by, and John goes, Behold, the Lamb of God. And Andrew immediately begins, turns, and follows Jesus, and he meets Jesus. And Scripture tells us that after he'd met Jesus, that he immediately returns and finds Peter, Simon Peter, and says, Simon, we have met the Messiah. We've found the Messiah. And then Scripture says, and then he brought Peter to meet Jesus. And that's just a simple example, a clear example of of what we want you guys to do and be a part of. If you've met Jesus... If you've met the Messiah, we want you to go back to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, your neighbors. Say, I've met him. Come, come follow, and I'll introduce you. And that could be just as easily as inviting him to church. It could be sharing your personal testimony, however. But that's just a, a clear example of, of what we're talking about with you and two. Um, my family and I, we moved to Topeka in about April of 1996 and started to attend uh, TBC at the time, and attended there until FBC opened in, uh, in uh, September of that same year. Um, we met in schools during that time, and, and actually ended up then uh, down here, right down here at Wanamaker Grade School. That's where it was the last great, uh, school we met in before we decided to build. And we, as that school started filling up, we said, we need a bigger tool, a tool to reach more people. And so we decided to build over here at 17th and Indian Hills. And uh, at that time, you know, my wife and I prayed about what we could give and how we could help be a part of that work. Uh, My kids were little then, four kids. My oldest was 10 at the time. And uh, so we built that building. And then we continued to see God at work. We both grew both spiritually and numerically there and saw God's faithfulness. And as we expanded and filled that building up, we thought, wow, we're going to need a bigger tool, a bigger structure where we can uh, share about Christ and uh, a place to minister to people that's bigger than what we have now. And that was uh, like October of 2005, so uh, about eight years ago. And by that time, my kids were about 17, my oldest about 17, you know, 18, getting ready to go into college. And uh, so we, again, my wife and I, we prayed, what, what can we give? And even my kids, you know, they had some part-time jobs, and so they, they pledged amount of what they thought they could give over that next uh, three years. Uh, one of them was like $1,000 during that time with their part-time job. Um, fast forward now eight years later, and we're at that place again where you can, you can see we're, we're filling up. And with the amount of time it takes to build, uh, we've got to plan for the future. And we see God has been 
faithful. And we've learned some things about God. We've learned, again, we see the clear point that God loves people, doesn't he? He wants people to come to him, and we want to be a tool that he can use for that to happen. So we're looking, again, to, to build. And uh, at this time now, I've got two kids through college, two to go, right? And, uh, but I'm a little bit older now, and I can, I can wow, I can kind of see retirement looming off in the, uh, in the future. And as I thought about each time we've had an opportunity to participate in what God was doing, you know, there was these fears that would come. Oh, you know, you're right in the middle of raising your family. You know, this isn't a good time to really give. Or, oh, you got kids that are about ready to start college. You've got to save money up for your college. And now I'm at, oh, retirement's coming. You know, save, you got to save for her. And so all these fears can come upon you as you think about what does that mean and, you know, how will that affect what can I give or what will I give toward God's work. And so each time I, I have to make a choice. Okay, do I trust the fears or do I trust my Savior? And each time God's been faithful. So... Also, during the last 17 years, and even before that, you know, I've had to grow, and God has challenged me personally, and, uh, and also to change. Uh, by nature, I'm more of a quiet, more uh, introverted person, and uh, God has said, um, you can't be that way. Um, <clears throat> you need to, uh, if you're going to be a useful tool in my hands, you have to reach out to others. You have to share your faith. And so God's been changing me. And uh, I'm not there yet. God's still work, but he's been growing me and uh, <clears throat> challenging me in that area. You know, I learned a, a valuable lesson, though, from my kids. When they were little, you know, whenever I wanted to go anywhere, oh, man, they were all on board. You know, where they're hopping in the truck. Let's go. Dad's going somewhere, right? And uh, it was only after even they got in the truck where they even asked, Hey, where are we going, Dad? You know, they just wanted to be with their, their father. I thought, wow, what a great spiritual lesson. That's how I want to be with my spiritual father, right? Wherever God's going, if he's driving, I want to be in the truck with him, you know? I want to be going wherever God's going. And, and it's been clear that this has been God's church. Uh, he's the leader. Uh, we're just the followers. He's been at work here. We see testimonies. You've been reading those in your daily things that are amazing what God has been doing. So God is leading, and wherever God's going, I want, I want to be a follower. And I, I hope you guys do too. So uh, would you join me in, uh, in prayer? Father, we are so thankful that, uh, first of all, you loved us, and that you called us out of darkness, uh, that you forgave us our sins. And even now, like, like Joe's been talking about, you're preparing an a eternal home for us. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, continue to lead and guide FBC and that you would use us to reach others for Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.